Welcome to Cloudlandia. Yes. Uh, are you the maitre d'? I, <laughs> <laughs> I am the welcoming committee. We are, you and I together, the official self-appointed. What do we yes. call ourselves? And, yes. And yes. you can do that. And you can do that today. That is one of the foundational elements of Cloudlandia, self-appointment. Yes. Self, yeah. uh, self appointment self, for self, all. Yes, yes, and then uh, you're then people will see if you can prove it. <laughs> yes, that's it. It's up to yeah. you now. You say you could do it. Do it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, uh, very, very energizing. But I've been thinking this week about the in between zone between uh, the mainland and. Um, Cloudlandia, and you remember mm -hmm. about 25 years ago, I talked about my Four Seasons lifestyle, and yes, which we talked I talked about that adopted which you for myself, totally yeah. adopted, totally adopted. I actually probably literally changed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but uh, so just to fill in uh, um, our listeners, um. Um, back in the 80s, when Babs and I started being successful with uh, our coaching company, um, we would go to cities and, you know, I would have speaking engagements or we would go just for um, pleasure. And we started uh, staying at Four Seasons Hotels, which is actually a Toronto company, which started back in the 1970s and then gradually went worldwide and they um they just had a, a terrific um um customer experience you know they uh and they've got all sorts of rules for that that we could cover at another time because i think that um mm. a lot of the four seasons thinking about mainland experience actually uh crosses over and you could use it some of it for um Claudlandia experience but anyway, so um, uh, one of the things that became apparent to me that if you're an entrepreneur, you have much greater freedom to design your work life, obviously. And that's the first principle of entrepreneurism is that you can design your work life. But if you're really successful, you can also um, do a better job of designing your personal life. And mm -hmm. uh, both you and I have um, are probably a quarter century into this principle. And then uh, I think that I have learned enormous amount from you, um, you know, you, with your partnership with Joe Polish. For, uh, I love marketing because Cloudlandia is a marketing realm. The probably mm -hmm. the greatest skill in Cloudlandia is really marketing and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Whereas you could be successful in the mainland by being a salesperson where you can, you know, you can actually be persuasive face to face with people in yeah. Cloudlandia, you can't be face to face in the same way so that marketing becomes the super skill in mm -hmm. Cloudlandia. And so right now, Dean, if you look at the last seven months, uh, there's people who are just extraordinarily successful in Cloudlandia because uh -huh. they've grasped this marketing principle and um, more so entrepreneurs are being very, very successful in the mainland because they can arrange their living environment the way they want to because they can put, you know, uh, high quality mainland lifestyle together with uh, global reach. Uh, Cloudlandia skills, mm -hmm. but yes, that's there's true. the vast, but the vast majority of humanity is somewhere in between those two worlds. They don't necessarily have their, they don't necessarily have their personal life uh, uh, at the quality that really makes them happy, and they don't have the um, new reach, you know, to use your, uh, you know, your vision capability reach model they don't have that so they're in between and my sense is that most entrepreneurial um activity is allowing individuals who are in what i call the crossover zone 
there that they can make progress in the crossover zone. And mm -hmm. the crossover zone goes two ways. One is you, as you gain greater, greater um, virtual capabilities, you make more money and you're able to uh, improve your mainland experience. So That's I think true. that'll, I'll, I think a lot of the, um, what we see as the greatest entrepreneurial activities going forward is helping individuals who are in the crossover zone. And I think that's really the, it's wise that there's a lot of people that are getting tripped up in the straddling of it and deciding yes. whether they're going to, uh, you know, they kind of have to make up their mind whether they're going to make their home in the mainland or whether it would be better for them to bring their family and their business and their life into Cloudlandia that can harbor their future and make a home in, in Cloudlandia. Yeah. Sounds like well, that, right? But, I'm damn yeah, but do, but, but do we, I mean, do we, you, I mean, uh, you don't live in Cloudlandia. You, no, you but have your a, business, <laughs> yeah. your business, yeah, I mean, the reason I'm, the reason I'm I think you have a street you have a street address, you know, and you own real estate. Yes. So that's yeah. Uh, yeah. So but you have it the way you want it. I, I think the yes. big thing is that you can have uh with Cloudlandia powers, you can yes. really, really design your actual mainland uh to be just as you want it. Yes. Yeah. I'm laughing so because Dan, what I just said there, I was paraphrasing something that I found online uh, that was a in a pamphlet from 1917 written by an immigrant to America, handed out to people coming on Ellis, through Ellis Island. And it was convinced or, you know, giving the argument for them of you've got to kind of, because a lot of people would come to America to check it out kind of thing to see whether this was the thing. And this immigrant was trying to uh, say to people, just compare all the things of what was on, uh, what's in the old country compared to the new country kind of thing. And to let their, um, you know, help them see what greater opportunities there are in wow. America. And it was well, written boy, in I, I would love. I would love to get a copy of that if you can. Dan, send me the if link only on somebody cared about you enough to do something like that. Yeah, of course I've got one for you. Yes. Yeah, but it is. Yeah. Uh, it's something, you know. I was watching. Now, are you going to send it? Are you going to send it by U.S. mail, or are you just going to send me a, a link? I'm going to send you. Through Cloudlandia, a PDF link. Yes. Yeah. I'll send you the link to it. But Dan, yeah. it was yeah. so fun. But, but, you know, that's the thing that we're immigrants, you know. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I've often talked about that. The immigrants, when they arrive in a new place, generally do better than people who were born in that place yes. and uh, took it for granted right from the beginning because the yeah. immigrant arrived, has to leave. Um, almost all their um, symbols of status and oftentimes yes. they have to leave advantage behind. They have to leave a relationship behind. The capabilities that got them paid and where they were don't get them paid in the new place and they have yes. to start over. And as a result of that, they're much more alert and curious yes. and uh, responsive and resourceful than native born people who have advantages that they were born with but don't realize that they're advantages mm -hmm. and it's so uh it was just so parallel i've been watching uh at lunch time philip is uh as i mentioned home schooling now at lunch times we've been watching great like historical series to to kind of give him some perspective thing and so this one that we're watching now is called the story of us and it's basically the whole oh, history yeah. of america and yeah. uh that was one of the things that struck me as i heard them 
say we're up to around 1917 now in Ellis Island and the whole thing. Yeah. And they were reading from something that, uh, you know, pamphlet that was handed out for how to, you know, kind of be successful in the new land. And, um, I, I went, I did some, um, well, I didn't do it. I had magic do the, uh, the research to see if they could find yeah. some, uh, stuff. So, Talk about who, not how, as an experience there. We've we've mentioned before um, in our our joy procrastination podcast the uh, getmagic.com as a yeah the get magic app as a um, you know a little who in your pocket to be able to say to them, hey, I was just watching this documentary and I heard them talk about um, some. Mm-hmm information that was given out yeah. to <laughs> so she spent an hour and found the uh found this great archive of stuff yeah so, yeah very exciting can i share another thought because it really relates to what you're talking about right now i had another thought and it has to do with technology um yeah. just say technology going forward and uh, because of Cloudlandia, I have uh, uh, a thought, you know, I'm just playing around with this thought. And it is that going forward, unless the technology enables greater teamwork, um, it's probably not a very useful technology. And certainly a technology that interferes with teamwork is, is a loser. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a loser. And uh, simply because of the who, not how concept that in Cloudlandia, it's who, not how. In mainland, mm-hmm. people still are doing hows to get what they want. But yes. in Cloudlandia, it makes no sense whatsoever to do the how when there's a who who can do the how. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, um, it's so funny on my, um, you know, the other, some of the other podcasts that I do, I do a, um, I do a podcast called More Cheese, Less Whiskers, which you were yes. guest number two on, which was great. Yes, yes, um, and, yes, indeed. Yeah. And I do one for real estate agents called The Listing Agent Lifestyle. And this week, um, I'm simulcasting to, uh, you know, to celebrate the launch of your new Who Not How book uh a three-part series yeah can i ask you something about the who now uh how book what is the first printed part of that book what does the first printed part of that book say once you get inside the cover there we go exactly that's the first part is to dean dedicated to dean jackson to to dean jackson Jackson. yeah and that yeah no other name on the page, just Dean Jackson, you know, Dean Jackson. And, uh, you know, and it, uh, you know, first of all, it was a real pleasure to do. And of course, I'm very, very grateful. But I think that what I'm demonstrating there, I mean, quite apart from whether, you know, that it's between you and me and it has to do with our relationship and everything else. My sense is the first um, um, principle that really it's kind of like the golden rule of Cloudlandia is that you um, you recognize, acknowledge, and thank the who who actually put you on on this road. Yes. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and that, I think you're you're absolutely right. Um, so uh, Joe Polish and I did a series, you know, three episodes. We're uh, introducing the concept of the self-milking cow, which was yeah. the sort of where this all um, came from. So over the next three weeks, we're playing that series, simulcasting on More Cheese, Less Whiskers and The Listing Agent Lifestyle, all directing people to get the Who Not How book to see how it all comes full circle. So very excited about that. And it's, yeah. I mean, every, the reception of the, the book that you and, and uh, Ben um, have written is 
is amazing. So that's all. Yeah. Well, you know, we went through the first 10, we went through the first 10,000 in about a week and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and uh, Hay, Heart, Hay House, the publisher, really had to hustle because they, they're, uh, strangely enough, or not strangely enough, there's a paper shortage for publishers mm. for two reasons. One, people are reading more uh, during, the, um, during the downturn, and 70% of it is actual books. It's not uh, e-books. Right. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and that's been constant now for about uh, six years that the uh, um, it's 30, 30% ebook and 70% paper. But the yeah. other thing is a lot of the paper mills and the people dealing with paper were shut down too. They were in lockdown. So, yeah, uh, there, there was a backlog, backlog, but, uh, you know, we have the next 10,000 coming in this week. So that's good. And, uh, um, you know, and you know, we had this wonderful session yesterday that, uh, Joe organized, um, you and Joe, I guess you and Joe organized oh. about uh, actually using Cloudlandia skills now to get the word out to, um, you know, contact lists and everybody yeah. about uh, who, not how. And uh, it's an instant, uh, it, you know, in my entire life, it's the most instant, understand, understandable new thought that just hits people, you know, here's the goal, great goal, you know, you know, be passionate about the goal, uh, enjoy the goal, uh, but don't discourage yourself by thinking you have to do all the house to get the goal, yeah. do the house that you actually have that are good house, but get who's to help you out, you know, yeah. and people say, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah, and you know what it is, Dean, I think it's, giving people permission for something they've always wanted to do, but they thought it was cheating. I think it's true. And I think that uh, the way I've been, I shared with you yesterday, the, you know, I had this realization in my journal yesterday, um, yesterday morning thinking that this is really the, the, what it leads to when you really understand who, not how, it really un, uh, puts takes the ceiling off what you view as your capabilities. And it gives mm-hmm. you a word I've been using is capability confidence, which kind of totally fits with your idea of cash confidence. But having yes. capability confidence is that you realize, it's, I imagined it like those, how they, um, you know, train the elephants uh, to stay in the, in a tight circle by, you know, putting, tying them to a big <laughs> post, right? When they were little. And they can only go when, but they yeah, when they were little. And then at the end, all it takes is a little like ring tent, uh, tent thing. And the elephant doesn't think it has the strength to pull away from it. And when you realize yeah. that it doesn't have to be my capabilities, now my vision can expand to include not only what I can do, but what the world can do. And I started thinking about that going deeper into that thing is like, I think it really, um, this collaborative mindset is different than this competitive mindset of feeling that, I used the example of uh, Nick Nanton. Nick Nanton yeah. is a 16-time Emmy-winning documentary filmmaker. And yeah. I started thinking, what could I do? What would my vision be? What could I do if I was a 16-time Emmy-winning yeah. director? Or I had the access to the capabilities of a 16-time yeah. Emmy winner. It's very, it's very interesting. I've got a um, really um, great, great in our client base, uh, and I just got a request for a podcast, which I did on Friday with him because he's going through a process where somebody's offered him a large amount of money for his dealership, um, which is a, um, <clears throat> is a luxury car dealership. So it's not, uh, you know, it's not mid-range. It's 
luxury mm. car dealership and exclusively, exclusively plus service, you know, everything yeah. related to that because he, um, two things, uh, he's only in his thirties, but he's got a, you know, he's got a, already a growing family, quite a large size growing family. And he's very, very committed to, uh, very committed to Israel and he wants his kids to grow up in Israel. And mm. the oldest is 10. And I said, well, this is your last year where you're a hero to that one. So, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you yeah. should uh, pro- probably do it pretty quickly. And he's, but the thing that he's torn with, he says, I'm really passionate about the, um, you know, the team I put together, the system I put together. And he's been in coach for about six, seven years. And, yes. but he's second generation. His father actually created the, um, dealership to begin with, but he's really brought systems to it, and and he's not yeah. he's he's not uh, really a front stage person, but he's a really great backstage person. He understands yeah. teams, he understands how to put teams and everything. So, um, uh, but here's the problem, you know, and I've seen it a lot with entrepreneurs. He said. It'll be great. We'll have the money. We can have the lifestyle we want. We have a lot of connections. Uh, everyone is totally supportive of us doing this. Is you know his his uh, you know his partner, his wife is uh, totally. The kids are excited about it. Everybody's excited about it. But he said on the other side of the sale, I just see a hole uh, from the oh. standpoint of working. And yeah. he said, and um, he said. This is the thing that stops me. There's a hole on the other side. And and so I immediately thought, uh, yeah, but what are the transportable capabilities that you have? What's, yeah. uh, you know? And he said, well, you know, I mean, I'm a, I run a car dealership. And I said, well, that's how, you know, I mean, that's how the newspapers would report you on you. But that, that <laughs> right. has nothing <laughs> that has nothing to do with, uh, you know, that has nothing to do with uh, why you've been so successful. And I said, are you really? Oh, yeah. He says, oh, we've been the number one dealership in Canada for the last three or four years, he said, and not by a little, by a lot. And I said, OK, so here's here's an exercise for you. Draw a circle and inside the circle, write down everything that um, would make you a great luxury car dealership that falls in the area of known best practices. In other words, that there's, a, I said, there's other good, you know, dealerships selling your type of car and other places. And actually who's buying them out as a large network of dealerships, you know, in, a, in, in Western Canada. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, and they, they, they're, they're paying him, you know, they're paying him a bonus for it. They really want his dealership, you know, they, uh-huh. and they, they, they don't have anything of where he is and they want to get that. So anyway, I said, just draw a circle what everybody in your industry knows that makes them good. Okay. And then outside the circle, everything, write down everything that you've done that makes you unique. In other words, other people don't know what you know and write that because first of all, it'll give you an understanding why they pay, why they made you such a great, they didn't make you a great offer because you can do what they do. They made you a great offer because of what they can't do. Okay. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then I said, um, did they approach you directly or was there an intermediary? And he says, well, in the auto business is how it works. There's agents, there's transit, you know, they buy and sell dealerships. They're the interim. And I said, have a long conversation with this person or short, if it's useful and say, what were the three things that made you stand out in uh, his eyes? It was a man, his eyes that, made it easy for him to do, you know, to draw the attention of this other, you know, this other, the buyer, you know, the person mm-hmm. who wanted to uh, buy, buy it and add that to your circle exercise. And then I'll set up another call and you tell me what you found out. I said, uh, you know, you've, you've been playing a great game, but you haven't been observing yourself while, while you're playing the game and you don't have an appreciation 
of your uniqueness. And I said, the hole that you have to fill on the other side uh, will come not what everybody knows uh, about this business, but it's what, what you know uniquely. That's, and I said, those are the transportable skills. And I said, mm-hmm. you have to get a handle of your unique transportable skills. Or, and, and I said, look, I'm not saying sell. I'm not saying keep it. I'm saying that this exercise will do you good, whichever one you do. Mm-hmm. And that's something you'd learn that the things that are outside of the circle of most things are uh, totally transferable. You take oh, yeah. that now and apply it to a high-end furniture store or to anything, right? A hotel. I mean, it's really all the things that you uh, that you learn. That's true. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's like uh, the golden age of Broadway music, were essentially European immigrants who came over, um, largely Jewish. You know, they're Jewish because they had to get out of Europe. Uh, but they came over and they were classically trained. They, you know, their dream was to write symphony orchestras. And they got to uh, the United States, and the United States couldn't care less about symphony orchestras except a certain wealthy class of people or intellectual class. Um, what Americans really like is entertainment, and they like a good tune, and they like great lyrics. And so the 1920s, 1930s, 40s, 50s, probably up to the 60s, those 40 years were dominated by classically trained immigrants or first gen- generation. You know, they, 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 they were born. You know, they either came here very young or they were born here, but they, they had this tradition, this classical music, and they really, really know. How, they knew knew how to, uh, you know, compose. They knew how to, they knew lyrics and uh, everything, but they had to relate themselves to popular music and uh, mm-hmm. you know and it's oftentimes people born somewhere else that master some skills and then cross over to another world uh-huh. and, uh, and uh, the skills they're bringing into that world none of the people who are born and raised in that world have those skills because they just got the skills that you would have from being born there and so these are entirely new skills and mm-hmm. uh yeah. Wow. And see, you know, it's so much of it is um, recognized. Capability confidence. Too. You should you should really develop that one. Capability confidence. That's a great one. Yeah. I think it. Well, really, the, I think it is. Well, the VC the VCR is capability confidence. The VCR that you created is VCR. That's an element confidence. of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's how to know totally what, because your capability is that you can have a big vision, it's that you have capabilities uh, available to you, and those capabilities give you reach. I think all three of those make up the capability confidence. Yes, and that's something when you look at, um, uh, did you get the email I sent you with that link to the Elon Musk um, article about when he first started pursuing rockets? Yeah, it was a cold outreach email or message that he left for someone who's like a rocket. Uh, yeah, you know, scientist basically. Yeah. <laughs> looking, uh, looking for rock, looking for people who are rocket scientists, science, yeah. scientists. Yeah, and uh, I don't care if you're staying at uh, Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it was funny that there's a guy who had a big vision and he had cash confidence because he yeah. was an internet internet billionaire and thought, I don't yeah, need well, money. I want to use my money to really do something worthwhile. And I've got this vision for us being an interplanetary species, and that's uh, so. I want to yeah. move forward on that. And there you go. That's how. That's the beginning of SpaceX, and now. Yep. Next thing you know, we're heading to Mars. Yeah, I, I was real. I saw a neat idea that he had the other day, and that is um, 
he said, you know, uh, maybe the first thing we should do with Mars is take the satellite networks that we're building here on Earth, you know, and they're putting in massive so that there's internet everywhere on the planet. And he says, maybe we should do it for Mars, you know, rather than going there and trying to, you know, create a development, why don't we just start putting um, satellites? And it's a tricky business because the gravitational pull on Mars is only one-sixth on Earth. So uh-huh. you, um, uh, there's some there's some phenomenal uh, physics that you got to conquer, you know, to, uh-huh. uh, to do it. And uh, anyway, but it's kind of interesting, you know, because he knows how to put satellites up. You know, I mean, he yeah. uses the rockets to put satellites up. And he says, maybe, right. maybe, maybe we should just put 100 satellites above uh, Mars and, uh, you know, with, um, you know, all the, the thermal technology, thermal photography technology and that. And mm-hmm. We should really map out Mars. Uh, maybe we should do that first and... You know, when we go, let's make sure that of all the places we could land, this is in the top 1% of places where we should land for everything that we discover from the satellites. Right. Yeah. Smart, right? Yeah. Super smart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean one, uh, one, one rocket could put up 40, 50 satellites. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's not like one satellite per trip. You can put up a lot well, of I satellites. Uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, That's when awesome. they put them up. Like a rocket, you know, with a thing will put up now because the rock, you know, the satellites are putting up are, you know, not much bigger than a basketball. You know, a lot right. of them are, you know, they're, they're small baths and they just release them. You know, they just release them. And in Earth, you can, you're having them at a certain speed and they have solar, you know, they have solar energy, you know, right. they can, um, they can, um, you know, they can energize themselves just uh, from uh, from the sun, but it's very 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 interesting, and uh, you know, and uh, I would say that in the last four years they've probably made more progress towards spaceflight than um, in the previous since the seventies. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And I've been collecting yeah. a vision. I've been, been sort of it's on my radar now that I see these things that there's another gentleman who is about to launch um, supersonic uh, travel again, since the Concorde. Mm -hmm. This this guy's got a new venture where they're making um, commercial airliners that will, that will be supersonic. And again, his strategy was, he didn't know anything about it really, what he would Mm -hmm. spend he would fly out to, um, you know, Nevada and Utah or some wherever the, um, you know, these pilots would hang out, and he would uh, kind of get to know them and uh, all the aviation, uh, all the jet aviation guys. He would just be in proximity to them, learn and and befriend and ask questions and and get to know. And then really put himself so he found the right who's who can yeah. uh, who can help put it together. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. amazing. Really. Yeah, yeah, it's really. I mean, it's really uh, interesting. Um, you know, and of course, there's a lot of free agents today because of the yeah. uh, lockdown and that. You know, all the airline companies right now are startups. You know, because they, they, they've. Um, they got to start over with their scheduling model, their service model, everything. Everybody's back to square one now with the, um, you know, with the airline industry, and um, you know, and uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm more and more convinced that Zoom is a transportation system. Yes. Well, you know, uh, the, there's an interesting thing that there's a couple of things that. Zoom is a good illustration of. Number one, Zoom has, I don't know, I haven't seen the numbers, but I mean, huge growth over in the last. Yeah, well, it's 40 times, 40 times. 40 times. 40 times. 40, 40. But yeah. what that also, what that was a, um, what had to happen was that they already had traction 
and were already there and saw this future that not everybody was on board with yet. But they were there. And I think I shared with you about the, you know, these TikTok uh, people that they were in the water already paddling with the, on their yeah. board, pointed in the right direction so that when mm-hmm. the tsunami came, they were already able to, yeah. they were positioned to really take advantage of that rather than all the other people now who are trying to circle in behind and really catch up mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. tsunami, you know? So there's an element of leaping before you're know, seeing that the early times is being there ahead of time. Um, this, this story of us, yeah, we're at the story well, right it, now. Oh. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's very, very true. And, uh, uh, you know, in our free zone, we have a financial advisor who, um, you know, who, uh, is, has been, um, uh, you know, had as clients the lead people in zoom for, you know, for, um, you know, number, you know, he's one of yeah. a number of people, but he said that they were totally ready for this. He said that, you know, yeah. the, he said that, that if anything, they had the vision, they had the capability, what they didn't have is the reach. And what I mean by right. the reach, they didn't have hundreds of millions of people suddenly said, yeah. what are we going to do now that we can't go to work now that we can't fly? Yeah. You know, so that's what gave them the reach, but they had the vision and capability before, yeah. um, you know, before they did it. And uh, it's a perfect example for me that the most disruptive force in the world is unpredictable consumers with a new capability. Yes. Well, here's, so that's where uh, I was thinking about this. They're at the stage in this documentary about the transcontinental railroad where we go from mm-hmm. opening up the West, right? And the government yeah. did, didn't have the money to pay the railroad, uh, you know, to build the railroad. But they gave them, they paid them in land. Yep. And yep. you mentioned that. Do you know how how far on each side of the? Um, well, I think it varied, but it was like a quarter mile or something, or you know, I mean, I think it varied. A quarter mile on a, a quarter mile on each side or whatever. All yeah. All so you're getting basically a half a mile corridor, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, so you know, and, and every. Then, and then, then you know everybody who wants to use the railroad. Then you put in stations and all the yeah, land. Yeah, eight miles. Every every yeah. eight miles, there's a new station, and yeah. that this led to the standardizing of time with the four yep. first four times. A Canadian, zones. by the way. A Canadian, yeah. by the way. Yeah, which from then, uh, from Bram- I think from Bramford somewhere. You know, really? out where you. Used to live, yeah, yeah. Well, the big problem was you you were having uh, trains were using a single track, but yeah. going both ways. So you had a oh, okay. uh, that's a problem. You had a real you real problem. So they had to put in sidings all the place because uh, before the universal time went in, namely the twenty four hour time, tr- yeah, you could have noon in Toronto, but it wasn't noon in Hamilton. You know, I mean, if oh. you think about. Uh, where you were living and yeah. uh, you had, you had trains moving in both directions, but on the same track. And, you know, yeah. they had the one year, they had like 40,000 people killed in uh, train train wrecks. And it was usually wow. because of that. Yeah. That was as high as automobile, you know, because. Wow. Wow. Were, as automobiles now. Wow. Trains were colliding, you know, and, uh, and, uh, or so they were uh, doing repair. They were doing a repair on the bridge and, you know, and that's why the telegraph came in. You couldn't do universal time until you had the telegraph because uh, you, you had to have, uh, as close as you could, have instantaneous time. So if I'm in Toronto and I'm telegraphing to Chicago, 500 miles, uh, yeah. at the most, it's a microsecond difference yeah. from when I hit the thing until the click happens on the other end. So it was good yeah. enough. It was good enough technology. Yeah. Uh, But then, you know, Sears, I didn't realize this, but Sears and Roebuck uh, 
was built on the <laughs> on station rail station station masters to, station <laughs> masters needing pocket watches and yep, yep. that that was really the beginning of it and then the railroad he saw the railroad as what it truly was a distribution network yeah so now they could have goods that could be distributed to the entire country from capability one, and reach yes but the vision of seeing it yeah there's so many parallels this is why uh this is why it's so um you know exciting to look back at these you know these historical junk dams like we're at like that was a big one where we're all of a sudden at a place where we have a new capability called you can get anywhere in the country now you can go from boston to 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 uh sacramento all the way across yeah. on the on the railroad yeah well the whole point other than that they a you know it was um my wagon train it was like two months very very risky you know to six months get it. six months six, six, mo- days. six months and if you wanted to take a boat ride around the, the south american come up it was yes you know it was an equal amount of time i mean the time yeah. saving was phenomenal yeah six days i think is what it went down to yeah on the yeah. railroad yeah and yeah. then they started building luxury towns so the railroads yeah. you know would uh they would take you to one city and then you were up for the night. They had the big railroad uh, hotels, uh, you know, in the, yeah. And, you know, and, uh, yeah, I think I've told the story when I was about, I think I was about nine years old and my mother and sister went into Cleveland and, uh, the big department stores, one of them was called Higby's. Another one was called May company. And uh, these were department stores. And so they uh-huh. parked underneath uh, what's called the Terminal Tower. And the Terminal Tower um, in 1950s was the highest building in the United States west of New York. You know, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, still, you know, I mean, it's 50, 60 stories. And it's a beautiful building, beautiful building. But that was on top. It was like Grand Central Station. It was on top yeah. of the... And three or four railroads came into Cleveland, and they were passenger railroads. And, uh, you know, and I, we came up through the lobby from the parking lot, and um, and uh, uh, I just saw the glamour of this hotel. So and I told my mother, if I can just sit in the lobby while you're shopping, I won't move. You know, just, oh, I I'll love it. Here. And I just sat there, and I said, yep, 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 this, this. I see my future. <laughs> uh-huh, this is great. I love that. Yeah. No, no, I did. I, it was like yeah. a winch for me. Like I winched myself into the future. And I said, this yeah. is my standard for um, where I'm going to. Uh, well, it's my Four Seasons lifestyle. You know, basically right. that was an early, early taste of the Four Seasons lifestyle. Yeah. And, and my feeling is this is how human beings work. The only question is, do you take it seriously or not? You know, yeah. I mean, do you, do you see yourself? It's not that you're, this is a destination. You're seeing yourself as one of the people who can live in splendor like this, you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I get so excited about those those things though, because I start to see the, the arc of it. Like I think, you know, it's amazing when you think about the actual chronological evolution of it. Like when the railroad was really, you know, going in in 1880s, I guess is when the um, when it was really starting to go across the well, country. Yeah, it was part of the Civil War. You know, the yeah, right after that. You know, yeah, because the Union, the Union, the winning Union side in the Civil War, built up enormous industrial capabilities. Yeah. Um, part, partially for the war. I mean, the manufacturing yeah. uh, uh, standardized clothing was created yeah. uh, because of uniform standardized shoes, you know, like uh, 
and different yeah. size shoes and everything. Yeah. That was all done for because you had mass armies. It was the first time you really had mass armies. They were drafted armies. You know, I mean, armies up before that were like, you know, three or four thousand. But you had armies of 100,000, 150,000, yeah. 200,000 armies, and you had to uh, manufacture things. And uh, our armaments had to be standardized. And so, yeah, machines, well, and the railroads was a big competitive advantage for the North. Oh, yeah. They had a much more built out railroad network than the South did. And they yeah. were able to conserve energy and position troops uh, much better and quicker. Yeah. Yeah. And Sherman, who was one of the three most prominent Union generals, um, you know, still hated uh, because of what he did. But he, you know, went down through Tennessee and, and Georgia. He went through Georgia and then came up through South Carolina and North Carolina. And it was very interesting because he um, um, avoided battles. He actually avoided battles, but he went after infrastructure. So he went after all the telegraph lines came down, all the poles came down, and uh, he uh, pulled up all the tracks, and uh, they would have huge bonfires, and they would put the tracks in these fires, and when they were red hot, they would twist them, and they were they would twist them around trees and they were called Sherman pretzels, Sherman pretzels. Ah. And today there's some parts in the South, like in Georgia and South Carolina, you know, and, you know, uh, abandoned places where they've, you know, it's been rewooded. You can find these uh, train tracks uh, that Sherman even, pretzels. and, wow. and the hatred, the hatred that, uh, you know, people in the South who have hatred towards Yankees, uh, the one they hate the most is Sherman because uh, killing people, that's okay because that's war, but destroying infrastructure, that's uh, <laughs> wow. because it made them made them poor afterwards because all their rail lines, he said, that, he said, I'll see that they don't recover for 50, 60 years. He said, uh, he, he says, you know, it's not the, you know, it's not the fighting troops that cause this war, it's the people who were the wealthy people, but, you know, he destroyed yeah. the plantations and he says, and we'll make, the, we'll make all the, you know, all the people who started this look like cowards, cowards in their family's eyes. And, uh, you know, I mean, he had a totally different attitude towards war, you know, and he was, um, you know, but, but it's very, very interesting going after that infrastructure, you know, and it's infrastructure you know, it's capabilities that you can totally depend upon, which allow yeah. people to have vision, uh, allow them to have vision. Yeah. I mean, and so you think, see about, that. think about, uh, just think about your uh, expansion of vision being since pandemic and the um, lockdown yeah. started. Just think about your expansion of vision because yeah. of capabilities that are suddenly apparent. Yes. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that's been, I just wrapped up a uh, Breakthrough Blueprint on uh, Thursday and Friday this week. And it was really, it was, it was a great one. And I'm really, I just, that, um, that capability of being able to be at home, but have people, you know, join in from, um, from wherever and the ability to do, um, you know, I introduced a new, um, a new workshop just specifically focused on lead conversion space yeah. out over, over a few sessions. And that one is, uh, you know, is a great, um, is a great thing as well. So I, I, I just love these, um, yeah, I love the efficiency of this capability, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, what's there not to like? <laughs> what is there not to like? You're absolutely right. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said, uh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, we're not getting hugs. I said, well, good. Uh, put a hug list together and, and you yeah. know, make it, make it special in the future. You know, I, right. you know you're just going to delay your... Uh, your your increased appreciation for hugs. I said, just... Yeah, right. Know, just, yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, 
treat it like Christmas, you know, and we're yeah. in January and it's like Christmas. You're going you're gonna to yeah. have to wait for this. You know, it'll just, uh, it'll just increase your appreciation for it when it comes back. You weren't appreciating it that much before, you know, you were taking it for granted before. Now it's right. special things. So, so it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really, really interesting. It'll be interesting, um, you know, afterwards to see uh, various things like um, what entirely new uh, companies got created during this period because of virtual, you know, because of virtual, because of Cloudlandia. But there's no way of the news media to know about that right now. You know, there's... uh, there's no way because it doesn't fall into standard ways of looking at industries and companies. And uh, I was talking, we have a, uh, he's in um, Inc. Magazine in November. Um, he's a intellectual IP lawyer uh, who joined the, joined the program. He's in 10 times and, um, and, um, very young. He's very young. He's, I don't think he's 40 yet. And, uh, but he's, the article is he's the fastest growing IP firm in uh, the United States right now. Wow. And, uh, and anyway, um, uh, I was asking him, I said, you know, do you think that the government, which, you know, the people who keep track of uh, statistics, whether the economy is doing well or not doing now, do you ha- do you feel after the last seven months that they have more of a handle on what's happening in the economy or less? He says, no, he says, forty percent of what's going on they don't even have measurements for. They have they have no way mm-hmm. of actually seeing it. And my feeling is that that's happening in industry after industry. There's whole new industries being created, but they can't be seen right now because they're using mainland measurements to measure something that's happening because of right. Landia. Right. Yeah, like I mean, your two influencers, your two TikTok influencers. Is there yeah. any way for the government to measure the economic impact of a young woman who has 90 million um, followers and that right. her say-so actually redirects Who's economic activity from here to there? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's something. Um, it really is. And so it is fascinating when you look at Zoom as one of the, uh, you know, all, a new capability that was built on the back of all these cascading capabilities that got us to that point, you know. And now it's really up to us to see. The, it's all the visionaries. I, I'm... I'm did, I'm so fascinated about Sears now, just knowing that that was part of what what drove it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really something, you know. Yeah, and he it, was uh, he he was very crafty. Uh, I don't know if the art, you know the program you were watching had time to really do it, uh, mm-hmm. but actually, what happened? Yeah, I'm not, you do know because it was pocket watches that launched it. Yeah. Well, what is he got a case of pocket watches? It was by accident, and it was sent to an address that didn't uh, exist in the town he was in. Uh-huh. Okay, and uh, so he went back to the sender, the manufacturer, and said, "I'm sorry, um, um, you know, there isn't an address here. This is the story. This might be an apocryphal yeah. story. I mean, it's it may be a story that uh, uh, is better than reality." Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, but he, you know, telegraphed back to the manufacturer. He says, I will send it back. And they said, it's not worth it to us to send it back. Um, we'll give it to you for, we'll give it to you for, uh, 40 cents on the dollar. So this is the price. We'll give it to you for cents. Why don't you sell them yourself where you are? So we'll, you can make a profit on this. And his life changed. His life yeah. changed in that moment. And he says, wow. So (laughs) the story goes, and I'm not saying this is true, but the story goes 
is that he then started purchasing pocket watches from manufacturers and sending them to faulty addresses in other towns. And uh, and uh, oh. he became sort of a middleman. And, uh, you know, the, he would send them to, uh, you know, from one station to another station. And the guy come oh. up, you know, there's no address. And he says, well, you know, here, uh, could you sell them? You know, could you sell them? <laughs> ah. <laughs> you know, ah, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, can I tell you, it's kind of like playing the system, in other words. And this is right. why b- big systems that are invented, invented in uh, uh, some far away place can't control what's happening in each local area. We had well, Uber yeah, drivers one day. Hmm? Go ahead. That is so funny because it, at one time, Dan, I got a listing when I was a real estate agent. I got a listing because some kids had taken my for sale sign from one property and they had gone and moved them. Uh, they were just being, <laughs> they would take signs and move them and put them on other people's homes. And I got a call from this lady saying, um, you know, some, somebody put your sign on my, uh, on my lawn. And, uh, <laughs> you should come out, pick it up. I said, well, are you sure you want me to pick it up? <laughs> and we laughed about it and it ended up that, you know, uh, that, uh, the next, it put, an idea, it, it put an idea in her head. Or it right. it she'd been she wasn't about. ready then, but I said, uh, but that was funny that I said that to, in the moment to her. Are you sure you want me to pick it up? And uh, she, we <laughs> kept in touch and she ended up, uh, I ended up selling their house yeah. in, in the spring. Yeah. So we, Babs and I, we have, uh, because, uh, you know, we're in two medical systems. Chicago's the center of our U.S. medical system. And, uh, you know, so we try um, to bunch them on a particular day. Babs has a couple and I have a couple. So there'd be about four uh, appointments and yeah. uh, downtown Chicago. So we had an Uber driver pick us up and we were just going through our schedule in the back of the car. And he says, so he says, are you going from place to place when you're when you're downtown. He, yeah, I said, we're going to be down for about six, seven hours. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, when we get down there, I'll take you off Uber and I'll just charge you 60% of what Uber would charge. And I'll just take you around. He said, I'll just, I'll just coordinate with you all day long. And then I, so he also picked us up to take us back out to our home in the suburbs. Yeah. And uh, he he said, anytime you want to do this, just let me know. He said, and we'll do the same deal. He says, if you're going to, you know, bunch all your appointments, he said, I'll just take you off and I'll just charge you sixty uh, percent rate. I'll take the Uber charge off the top. And nice. I said, I, I bet he's not the only one who's doing this in the Uber system. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, you can't. I get pitched that all the time on the. Uh, so they're taking advantage of Uber's marketing. But yeah. They're, uh, you know, I mean, they're letting Uber create a capability for them, but they're yeah. saying. Uh, uh, and because when rich. they go off yeah. Uber, Uber, when they go off Uber, I mean, Uber doesn't really know what they're. I guess Uber probably has some ways of keeping track of people, but. Uh, but uh, they they were growing so fast. I bet they didn't have the ability to do quality control or anything like that. Yeah, but then you know the part of the thing about it is that even then, I never call those guys to come and and get me to take me back to the airport because then I've got to make a call and I've got to then pay them and all this stuff where yeah. I can just hit a button and. Three minutes later, it's going to be a perfectly great black car yep. in my at yeah. my feet, and I can just get out at the end. I don't have yeah. to go ahead and pay or anything. Yeah, yeah. It works so well, you know. Yeah, could could, could be, uh, but uh, he became our driver. You know, he was like our yeah. driver for the day, and I always That's liked great. that. You know, and he was good. He was smart. You know, and he was always yeah. worried wanted to be and you know he had a 
day. And uh, but uh, here's where your your uh, you know here's where your statement is absolutely true. The next two times when we had that, he was busy. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't do what he did. So that defeated right. the the ongoing value of it. You know. Right. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, but uh, you know, when you have a big system and you think that you take you're taking the world by storm, everybody yeah. figures out how to get. Everybody figures out how to game your system for their own purposes. That's the truth. Welcome to Cloudlandia. That's- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true on the mainland too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On the mainland too. I mean. Uh, uh, you know, if anybody sees an opening to um, that, that's for their advantage, uh, then they, you know, there's always, you know, people who take advantage of the system. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And well, this uh, has, uh, we covered a lot of territory today. I was just going to say, this was a really delightful conversation. I have homework. I'm going to send you this link yep. to the uh the little pamphlet that i was 1917 about. yeah i'm really yep. fascinated with that because uh-huh you know because well I, you know i don't know if you remember when i was first changing the name of the upper program from game changer to free zone yeah uh i gave the traffic of the united states from 1620 to 1895 uh, yes first settlement on the atlantic to the complete surveying um, all the way to the Pacific. So it took, you know, it took about 275 years. And, uh, but the two things that they had to work with were essentially free land and free people, you know, yes. that they could offer free land to people who didn't cost them anything to, uh, immigrants yeah. are a lot cheaper, uh, immigrants are a lot cheaper than, uh, raise, uh, having your own children born. Yes. Okay. Because yes. children today, children are a an expense till about age thirty six in the American system right now. So. Oh wow. Uh, so it takes, on average, it takes newborn people thirty six years before they become a plus to the country. They're they're a drain on the country. It's certainly a drain on their parents. Right. And uh, but an immigrant who is skilled and eager and enthusiastic and h- hits the ground running, no cost whatsoever. Wow. Well, that's I think that's great. Yeah, I remember that's um, I remember watching uh, Far and Away, that that movie with Tom Cruise uh, about yeah. the Irish uh, perspective. Oh yeah, of coming to America during oh, yeah. the Great Land Giveaway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very, very uh, cheap way to get now. Uh, and the thing is, the U.S. I would say there are um, three countries that uh, still have this as a capability where nobody else has, and it's the U.S., Canada, and Australia. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, still, both of them just massively undeveloped in relationship to their size, you know, and the available land available. And uh, yeah, I have a client from Singapore. I know we're at the end here, but I have a client for Singapore who comes over every quarter for his workshop. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, and he's got investors. He runs an investment firm. Yeah. And about uh, about uh, his name, <clears throat> you know, his his name's Roy, and Roy is from Singapore. And uh, and it's really really interesting that he comes over and. I think he's bought about 1,200 properties uh, on his trips over. He comes over, he buys 15 properties, 10 properties, U.S. properties, um, commercial, no, not really residential, mostly commercial properties. And uh, and uh, I had him explain what he was doing to a workshop, and he said, well, Dan, you know, uh, Americans sometimes think that uh, – Property is expensive, but he says, I will tell you, compared to the price of real estate in Singapore, uh, what you think is expensive is almost free. Right, exactly. Almost free. Yeah. 
And uh, so the, the interesting, but an immigrant would see that. Somebody maybe born wouldn't see that. Yeah, that's really. I mean, he's uh, kind of like an immigrant. I mean, he's like a, certainly a commercial immigrant. You know, I mean, he's uh, mm-hmm. uh, not, not living here. So uh, that's the thing that when you come from a, another place, you do a comparison with as the pamphlet you're going to send me says, compare where you were what yeah. the opportunity was and could, and I'll tell you about the opportunity here and yeah. and ask yourself if you just didn't make it as hard as it's been so far didn't you make the best decision of your life yes that's exactly right yeah and I think the same thing from uh, going to Cloudlandia now I uh, do too you got a chance to be, you got a chance to be an immigrant yes I love it yeah Okay, Dan. Well, this was, and I'll talk to you on Friday. And thank you for, um, yeah, you know, thank, thanks for your help on this, um, um, you know, on this. Oh, getting the word about who not, who not how out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. We're thank you very much. the word far and wide. Okay. Thanks. Okay. We'll talk to you bye. Soon. Okay. Bye.